0: Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 Sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway Timberliving.ie Brendan
1: O'Connor on RTE Radio 1 I could spend the rest of the show giving you donkey trivia from people So uh, donkey, donkeys like Company, that's why Eeyore was so sad. They're social animals, there should always be at least two of them together. So that that poor donkey on his own, but I suppose he had had Colin Farrell in uh in the Banshees of Innish Aaron, they were like a, a pair. Um, donkeys have a terrible calming effect on a herd of cattle if you put a donkey in a field of cows it'll confuse them and they behave themselves there's still a good use for donkeys on a dairy farm that's from Gavin in Kildare someone who wasn't from Ireland if they heard donkeys have a terrible calming effect on a herd of cattle they'd wonder what you mean but we know what means. I mean they have a terrible calming effect on, on a head of cattle um somebody wondering what music Austin is dancing to. As I remember the last time, I think it's kind of that 80s, 90s, kind of, he mentioned Primal Scream and I think there was a bit of disco music involved as well. And he mentioned San Germain as well uh, the last time. And just a lot of people texting in as well on chronic pain. So apparently there's something called chronic pain reprocessing therapy and it's wonderful. A texter says, got me walking again when close to buying a wheelchair. Okay, we'll move on. Now, it's not every day that you get to meet the... The maker of your favourite condiment. Katie Sanderson, good afternoon to you in the Radio Nugualticta studios in Casla in, in Connemara.
0: Hey, good afternoon, Brendan. Nice uh,
1: to be here. Nice to have you. And you're a cook, and, but you are also the founder of the White Mouse Soup Company, who make uh, peanut ryeu. Arguably the greatest condiment ever, but there's much more to you than that. We'll come back maybe to peanut Ryu. So listen, in terms of your story, you grew up in in Hong Kong and I think the love of the food and the cooking started there, did it?
0: Yeah, totally. I was born and grew up in Hong Kong and had this like amazing upbringing where I got to um, eat all of the different street foods there, but also spent lots of time in Ireland. So kind of coming back and forth. So a real eclectic kind of mix of of foods and life
1: yeah I'd say Hong Kong, and the food scene there for a kid growing up was exciting, was it?
0: Oh, it was amazing, yeah, and do you know i I think in some ways, I'd love to go back and experience it like uh, you know kind of again through a different lens, but it just you know when you're a kid, everything just kind of feels normal, but yeah, even the idea what like when I think now about like the markets and the smells and the kind of you know the food that you kind of see on the street, yeah, it just oh uh, yeah, yeah.
1: And listen, I noticed with a lot of high achieving people I talked to on this show, they say school doesn't suit them. And I I think you're the same. You were more at home in the kitchen than you were at school, were you?
0: Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, like as a kid growing up, like school wasn't really. Yeah, just it it, it wasn't that easy. And yeah. Um, you know i kind of always say that i got this like fisher price kitchen set for like i think it was my second or my third birthday mm. and it was like my mom kind of you know always jokes that like that was me made you know it was like she could kind of see it from there
1: yeah.
0: um and the kitchen was just always a place that i could be free and there wasn't so many kind of like rules and kind of um regulations and you could just be as creative as you want to make a mess and i just felt like you know really excited when when I went when 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 like working with food and stuff you know
1: so then when you were sent to boarding school at home in Ireland when you were ten or eleven was was that a bit of a culture shock
0: um yeah and no like because of because because my mum's Irish and we would have spent our summers in the west of Ireland like here growing up, I kind of you know i I knew Ireland, but yeah, definitely. Like I was eleven, leaving Hong Kong, so you know, definitely a long yeah. way to go. But I, I think that both places have always felt like a part of me. So it kind of felt like being in my other, my you know, the other part of my 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 kind of life, you know. Um, but I did bring like. Uh, I used to bring back like loads of the Chinese kind of sweets and crisps and stuff to all my friends oh, back yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, to try and get them to taste everything. So I was kind of flogging, flogging stuff um, like that from an early age, you know. Yeah,
1: and I can imagine the wild colours and tastes and everything of all that stuff, yeah. Yeah. And then from boarding school you went straight to Malu, so you knew what you wanted to do anyway.
0: Well, yeah, Malu was... B- Bally- I didn't I, I knew I didn't want to go to college straight away I knew I wanted a break from from like the kind of education system at large and Malu felt like a real natural next step and yeah I had amazing time down there um, it's it's just such a unique um, place and a, new, a, new, a unique learning environment and I had never kind of spent time on a, a kind of working farm like that and it's just I don't Anybody who's been there knows it's such an enterprise, like everything just feeds back in. And there's a certain energy and environment down there, which is very, um very, like, addictive to be around, I find.
1: <laughs> but then you became, this is kind of odd, a private chef for, for a family in Dorky. How did that come about? And like, what, what did it involve?
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I've done a lot of, like, jumping around. Yeah. In, um, <laughs> it's probably back to the kind of, yeah, the school thing. But um. Yeah, so the private chef part was um, I had worked for a catering company in Dublin, actually, for a few years. And um, the head chef that I was working with there, he'd started working as a private chef. And he kind of brought me on board to, to do that with him. And then he left and it was just me doing it. And, yeah, it was definitely a very interesting experience. Um, but I think what I figured out really quickly was that I actually just much prefer being, you know, a, a, a more like it was very exciting you got to kind of you know uh, being a private chef you'd, you'd suddenly take off and go somewhere kind of mad and you know um it felt like it felt like um you were really catering for for you know for for like a small group of people and I really missed like doing big events and kind of being around people where I could kind of be more myself, you know.
1: And w- would they tell you exactly what they wanted or were they led by you a little bit or how did it work?
0: So it was a little bit of both, yeah. Like during the week and stuff, it would be, you know, kind of normal family food. But they they, they kind of all had very different ideas of what they wanted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think like in my own family at home and like, you know, with my kids now, it's like, you know, there's one meal and yeah. everyone has to. Yeah. Whereas I think when you've got a private chef, you can go, maybe kind of decide that you want different things for different people so um, I' see yeah. <laughs> yeah it was it was an interesting time that's for sure
1: yeah you were you spent a lot of time holding your tongue as well i'm I'm guessing <laughs> yeah yeah and so then your next kind of phase you jump around again you kind of got into raw food and vegan stuff and fermenting kind of before it became a huge thing didn't you
0: yeah, so I, I went over to America and I was in Oklahoma and Santa Monica for, for, to do these kind of raw food courses and they were amazing because it was just, it was like, do you know, when you feel like you know a certain amount about a topic, so like I'd been cooking and doing these catering for years and then suddenly this whole world opened up and like it was way before nut milks and all that kind of thing. So, yeah. you know, on my first day there, they showed us how to make different nut milks and I just couldn't believe that you could do that. And it it wasn't even for me so much that it was kind of raw food or veganism but it was it was more that it was like a flavor profile um that I, I I was like whoa it's like you know Pandora's boxes opened up and there's actually more in here and it just got me really giddy for like what what I could like how I could use that to kind of bring back and cook in Ireland in a different way um and in a way that I, you know I hadn't wasn't really been done in, in in Dublin and Ireland yet that much so
1: yeah, and I say yeah. a, a big leap on for making um, fish fingers for uh, for young rich Johnny. Yeah, um, <laughs> so so then yeah, and I, the Fumbly keeps coming up with a certain kind of type of people. When you came back to Ireland, you kind of gravitated to the to the fumbly Cafe as well, didn't you? Is there, there's a bit of a scene around it? Is there?
0: Oh yeah, like um, so many of like lots of the like really amazing cooks and chefs and producers that are working in in Ireland nowadays. We all kind of. We, we all did our time in the Fumbly. Um, it's a really unique and special place. It's 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 a cafe, but it's kind of more than that. And, you know, there's no hierarchical system in the kitchen. So it's run very much where, you know, you, you have a lot of creative freedom. So f- like from what I've, you know, f- from what I've been saying, it's like that kind of environment suited me so much. And I was able to take lots of that kind of, like download loads of that information and the raw food and the drinks and stuff. And so we came i came back and i put like kind of fermented kefirs kombuchas and different kind of milks and um drinks on the menu and the fumbly we took out all the shop brought stuff and like nowadays like you see that in lots of places but Mm. I, i i think we were probably one of the first places to do that um and so yeah it felt really exciting
1: and and you met Jasper, your partner there, and then people like so people will be getting the sense you're not a person who likes to be fenced in. The next <laughs> thing you, that people will remember this very well was a pop up you did uh, kind of in a field in, in Connemara in a way, uh, which was Dillisk, which ran for two summers. Just remind people of that.
0: Yeah. So so that was with with Jasper. Uh, we we you are right. Like we took a we we took a, a shed and we turned the donkey part of the shed into into our kitchen. And we basically served kind of thirty to forty people a night with like the freshest stuff that we could get. We'd be like running to get the pollock from the piers like five minutes before the guests came, and cooking it in all these quirky and wonderful ways. And um, it was absolutely amazing. Like um, we, my mum. I remember my mum kind of saying, like, "How are you going to get people to come to the field in you know, in yeah. the far end <laughs> of nowhere?" Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "I think that if we if we make it really special, people will come." And that was right. Like everyone's up for an adventure. So. Um, and um, yeah, we brought loads of friends down and we just had these like two absolutely magic summers. Um, but it was very obvious to me after that that it was like, okay, I need something that's a bit more sustainable than all of these, you know, projects that are really intense. And then, you know, kind of y- you get burnout, basically. <laughs> so
1: so then is, is the white mouse who is kind of you settling down a little bit, is it?
0: Totally, yeah. yeah. That was, so I used to kind of in between those projects and stuff I'd, I'd cook for large groups of people so I cooked for dancers yoga retreats different different kind of nourishing events and I used to always like kind of say to people I'd like I'd be like this um you know I'd have like this traveling larder of sauces and um, pickles and ferments and I'd kind of bring them everywhere with me and um, when i used to do that i had i had this kind of concoction this this peanut chili oil that you know it, it was it's it's not an, a totally original recipe chili oil's been around in china for you know thousands of years and um but i i had kind of like changed it and and made made a version which when when i gave it to people they used to kind of do a little dance almost you know <laughs> and, yeah. and i kind of knew that if if i could bottle that magic then I, I was on to something, and I might have a business that could, you know, work and 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 also like make people really happy at the same time. And so that was kind of the next step. Is like let's set something up that can like you know, and if you want to step back or you want to go do something else, that it still works. This Whereas, works the way yeah, for it. Yeah, yeah
1: yeah, and and listen, I know you you've other products as well, but I I would say the the peanut raiu is the one for me, and like. Basically, it it makes anything exciting. So you're going to give us a really quick recipe for something we could do with the peanut rice, are you?
0: Yeah. So um,
1: we've got uh, a minute, okay?
0: Okay, we've got a minute. <laughs> so the these rice bowls, which we've done at loads of festivals. So basically, big bowl of rice, and you don't have to put these exact same things in. But basically, what you're trying to do is make something that looks absolutely delightful with loads of different colors and loads of different tastes and textures so um, i would use sushi rice for this because i just think it's tastier and uh, like we'd probably use like some boiled peas um, then maybe make some like miso aubergines and then i'd definitely try and get some kimchi in so like really good for your gut really you know going to make you feel really good and then some pickles so i generally we'd pickle some like cucumbers and we'd pickle some radish and then we're going to put like a massive dollop of our peanut on on top of it and probably finish it off with a crispy fried egg and we have like those kind of recipes and loads more on our website but basically it's just like the sort of thing that when you look at it you're like amazing and then when you finish it you also feel like you feel good you feel nourished and you're happy out
1: katie sanderson thanks a million we we'll put up that recipe on our website as well and we we'll talk to you again for sure thanks katie